Shortly after World War II ended, Europe began picking up the pieces. Much of the old country has been ravaged by war and was in ruins. Perhaps the saddest sight of all was that of a little orphan, children starving in the streets of those war-torn cities. Early on a chilling, chilly morning, an American soldier was making his way back to the barracks in London. As he turned the corner in his Jeep, he spotted a little lad with his nose pressed to the window of a pastry shop. Inside, the cook was kneading the dough for a fresh batch of donuts. The hungry boy stared in silence, watching every move. The soldier pulled his Jeep up to the curb, stopped, got out, and walked quietly over to where the little fellow was standing. And through the steamed up window, he could see the mouth-watering morsels as they were being pulled from the oven, piping hot Krispy Kreme. The boy salivated, released a slight groan as he watched the cook mm, place them into the glass-enclosed counter. Ever so carefully, the soldier's sight went out of the nameless orphan out to, and, said, and he, as he stood beside him said, son, would you like some of those? The boy was startled. Oh yeah, I would. The American stepped inside, bought a dozen, put them in a bag, and walked back where he, where the lad was standing in the foggy cold of London morning. He smiled, held out the bag, and he said simply, here you are. As he turned to walk away, he felt a tug on his coat. He looked and heard the child ask quietly, Mister, are you God? We are never more like God than when we give. We're never more than what God's called us. What we're talking about when we're thinking about generosity in this coming series is the idea that when we give, we give with the intention to be used of God to reach those who are so far away from God that don't even understand it. In a world where everyone is about themselves, in a world when everything's about number one, God is saying, I want to use you as my children to reach those who are far away with a generosity that will blow their mind. I don't know about you, but when I walk with God, I'm moved to the fact that God still wants me to be more generous. When I think that I have to end it and say, God, I think I've graduated to and from generosity school. And you're saying, no, 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 son, I love you, but I still got to teach you a few things. And here I want my diploma and I want to move forward. And God's saying, no, 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 um, we still got to go through school. And often I'm asked that question because when I think about what I give, not only my time and my talents, but the money, the Lord's saying, I still need to challenge you, son, to give more. And it's so, it's so amazing because when we're thinking about it, as Christians, we don't understand. I know it's a subject very, very tender amongst the churches. I know that in this church, for, for many years, the pastors always come every year in, in, recent, in the recent years. The pastor, the first pastor used to come every year and challenge the people to be generous, challenge the people to be stewards of God's, of God's church and of God's possessions in each one of us. But, you know, 
I'm challenged too because when I hear some of these numbers in the article that I read the other day, I'm challenged to think, what are we going to do as Grace Church to make a difference? So far, I've been so grateful to be your pastor to see that God has done incredible work. People are giving. People are, people are giving faithfully. We're seeing that the giving's at a good place. We, we thank you so much for the giving that you give towards the outreach. We saw over, I think, close to 8,000, and still people are still giving in of us doing Reach Week this last past month. And of the joy that we were able to see, we were generously giving of our time and our talents and our money to reach the community to share Christ with them. In fact, there's someone here in this room right now who was blessed by our gas giveaway that that person is actually here in this room right now. And we're so blessed that God even used that to allow someone to come and visit today. And so we're grateful for that person that's here today. And we know many will come as well as to be reminded of how gracious God is and how generous he is and how he wants us to make a difference. But here's what I was blown away by this article. It says tithers, which we have to understand, tithings of the Old Testament, and 10% of what is even given as a tax. But just let's say givers make up to about 10 to 25% of normal congregations around the United States and across the nation. Only 5% of the U.S. gives with 80% of Americans only giving 2% of their income. Christians are only giving about 2.5% per capita. While during the Great Depression, they gave 33 and if we were to look at this, they said, if everyone were to give a tenth, just say that we'll use that as a measuring tool, the churches all around the nation would have $165 billion in excess to take care of people all around the world. Now, that's a given fact. That's a stated fact. $25 billion could relieve global hunger, starvation, and deaths from preventable diseases in five years. $12 billion could eliminate illiteracy in five years. Fifteen billion could solve the world's water and sanitation issues. Specifically at places in the world where one billion people live on less than one dollar a day. I mean, a coffee costs about, what, two fifty for an American drip when you go to Starbucks? I mean, I think it's up to about two. Now, if you want a grande, then it's going to be probably in the three dollar range. But a dollar a day. One billion could fully fund all overseas missions work. Then what tops it all up, the creme a la creme, you got $110 billion still left over. <laughs> and what do you do with that? I don't even know what it's like to live, you know, anywhere close to a million or even 500,000 or 400,000, 300. Let's go down the road. But can you imagine these numbers? And we're taken back more and more by the fact that giving is something that we have to learn, and most of all, treasuring the fact that we have to learn generosity. I want you to open up your Bibles, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. You're, you might be familiar with this passage. Maybe you've never seen or heard of this passage. This is a passage that often pastors and people who, who preach and teach go to this, this section. But I, I hope that we can be encouraged today in understanding why Paul was sharing some of this in reference to 2 Corinthians. And if you're going through a tough time and you don't understand and you're struggling and you're going through trials and tribulations beyond you, you have people who are accusing you, insulting you, coming against you, you're dealing with su suppression of life or de depression or if you're dealing with even suicidal thoughts, let me tell you something how Paul handled 2 Corinthians because there were false teachers coming against him. There were people who were insulting him and assaulting him 
questioning his character, questioning his heart, questioning what God has called him to, saying that he was pifling money for his gain. When he was a man who just walked out three missionary journeys, traveled thousands and thousands of miles to reach a people who desperately needed Jesus Christ. And he was being accused of this. Where people were following him and then stopped following him because false teachers were misleading these other people to follow them. And so you have to understand the backdrop of this, the background. So let me just share with you, work with me for just a minute. See, because the first and second letters of Corinthians, there is a traveling journey to understand where they came from. On the second missionary journey, which, which Paul had three, Paul spent 18 months in Corinth. After leaving, he heard disturbing news that the, the Corinthians were living lies contrary, lives contrary to God's intention which we know is immorality. In fact, Corinthian means to be, uh, to be immoral, to live immorally on a routine basis. Therefore, he wrote the letter of, to the Corinth church, which is known as the lost letter. So you have one letter, 1 Corinthians 5, 9. And then, while in Ephesus, he heard additional reports that the church was experiencing many divisions due to their lifestyle of immorality, liking to the Gentiles around them, which led to a letter of 1 Corinthians and then we know in 1 Corinthians 7, 1, Paul mentions of that. Paul wanted to clarify these concerns. He remained in Ephesus a little longer and sent Timothy to Corinth. Then Paul received another bad report from Timothy, indicating that the church was falling prey to false teachers and apostles, then began to question Paul's authority in teaching, in addition questioned his character. So he left Ephesus to confront the issue, and this is known as the painful visit. 2 Corinthians 2.1, he was assaulted and insulted by these false teachers. And then Paul returned to Ephesus and wrote the severe letter 2.4 in, in, in ch chapter 2 verse 4 and then sent it through to Titus to Corinth, which is in chapter 7. We're almost getting to chapter 8. But here was the thing. When he sent this severe letter, Titus came back and reported to Paul that they repented of their sin. And so Paul, heavy burdened, being accused, wanted to retaliate, didn't, didn't react, but responded well, got an A plus from me, because if it were me, I'd think differently and act differently. But here was a man who understood and realized that God called him to something. And in chapter 8, we come in 2 Corinthians, understanding that after he received this letter, he's challenging the Corinthians to give, because the Macedonians were the example. And we have to understand something about the Macedonians because there were a people of God who didn't have much, but were willing to give of what they had. And so what we have to understand in this whole thing is, I want you to just turn with me to chapter 8, verse 1. And as we turn to that, I entitled this sermon, you know, to excel in generosity. Excel in generosity. But we have to understand the backdrop. So here's where the backdrop is. In verse 1, we want you to know, brothers about the grace of God that has been given among the churches in Macedonia. Now, Macedonia, northern Roman province of Greece, specifically identifying Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea, Acts 17, 11. And it was considered a disadvantaged and poor area, wasted away from multiple wars and being pillaged by the Roman authority in commerce. However, Paul wanted to use them, as I just mentioned, as an example, to encourage the Corinthians. Because this so-called gift of generous gift given to the Jerusalem church was held back for a year. 
because of the Corinthians and the way they were acting. Paul had to continually deal with that, which was holding back this beautiful gift that God was going to give through the Corinthians to a poor people. So lo and behold, we understand that because that's throughout the New Testament as mentioned to the true church of Jerusalem. So we have to ask that question, what is generosity? Well, in these two chapters here in 2 Corinthians, you have grace mentioned 10 times. Important to understand because it's unmerited favor. You have it as the act of grace, a privilege, giving of grace, grace, and thanks. It's an idea that's thrown out that we would know as generosity. And so we even know in chapter 9, verse 6, we see the word generous, sowing. Generous meaning the act or benefit of blessing. So when we think of the word in its, in its general sense, we understand that it's the quality that likens to an unselfishness. Someone showing generosity is happy to give time, money, food, and kindness to a people in need. So when you and I want to show generosity, we have to be willing to give away things that we enjoy. Not always cash and stuff, but it could be time. So when I'm talking about today, which is always a sensitive subject, I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about a heart. The depths and foundational element of the heart of generosity, which is so necessary for us. In fact, what I want us to talk about is that it's an attitude more than an amount. It's about being sacrificial. And what about the church? What can we give if it's not just our time and our money and our talents and our heart? Why is it important for us to give? Why is it that when we give, what are we really doing with our giving and where does it derive from? Let me just show you this little clip here just to help us set up for that. See, the question is, what does it mean to be generous? And that's why we want to look at 
2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 7, to look at and seeing the Macedonian's example of what does it mean to be generous. This is what it might mean in a practical sense. You have $100. You give $75 to your bills and some savings. You have $25 left for your me time. You know, me spending, me this, me that. I need a new pair of shoes. I need a new dress. I need a new outfit. I need to look good. I need a new pair of whatever. To some of you have a little bit more, it might be that $25 might represent a new car. But whatever it does, it's always about a me time. Now, the question is, what will you be willing to do with that me money? Would you be willing to give it away and not for yourself? See, that's what generous means. Generous means saying it's not about me. You're saying, well, when is it going to be about me? I don't know. You need to talk to the Lord about that because I have that same question. I often ask that, God, when is it going to be about me? God's saying it's not supposed to be about you. And I'm challenged with that because what does it mean to be generous? Well, I see this example already laid out for the Macedonians. People who are generous are those who have received generosity. You have your worship folders there, your outlines. Write that out and just fill that blank in when it says those who received it. Look with me to first one. It says, it says this, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God. That has been given among the churches of Macedonia. That word giving in the Greek means this. Perfect passive. Means you and I have been given something so generously. God gave us his son. It can get played out. We can hear that statement over and over and over again. But we have to understand something. We can't pay the debt for sin. There's no way out. The Bible makes it clear. That the sin of debt cannot be paid without Jesus who died on the cross for our sin. And the giving that he gave was generous. He didn't have to. God remains God, and he can shut the doors of heaven, still remain God, and yet he's still gracious and merciful, and he can still be justified as God. But yet in that, we have to understand that God will continue to give. He's a generous, loving, cheerful God. He wants to give. He opens up his arms and says, I still want to give to you even when you fail. That in our walk with God, when we fail, when we make mistakes, when we're not the husband we should be, not the wife we should be, not the friend we should be, when we're constantly making mistakes, God's saying, you know what, I still invite you in because I love you. I'm a generous God. And that's what he's doing. He's saying that it starts right there. Generosity starts with God is generous. So they received it. They knew it. And it's, it's understood. But here's what, what, what we have to understand, too is that the second thing is people who are generous give from a limited resource. People who are generous give from a limited resource. Let me share this verse with you. For in a severe testing of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. See, these were people who were poor, who are going through struggles and difficulties and trials. Let me tell you something. When I'm down and out and we don't have money, I don't focus on giving to others. I worry about my bills. I don't know about you, but when the money's not there, I'm not concerned about giving to others. I got to think about my family, my wife and my children. I got to think about how can I make more money? How can I pay these bills off before something else happens in front of me? That's not my first thought in my mind. But here were these people who were poor, who were extreme poor. They were beggars, in fact, the Greek says. They were beggars calling out. The Macedonians were willing to say, we need to give more. In fact, the abundance of joy, when you see that phrase, 
It means this in the Greek. It means that which is beyond the regular or expected amount. Now, they didn't have a lot to give. The amount was small, but this isn't about the amount. This is about an attitude. They were willing to give whatever they had. And you might be sitting there saying, I don't have much, Bruno, to give. It doesn't matter. You can give $5. You can give $10. It's not the amount. You might say, I only have 15 minutes this week to serve the Lord. Then give him 15 minutes. You might say, oh, I give a little bit more than 15 minutes. I give 30 minutes. Well, give him 30 minutes. See, God is telling us, each one of us, that he wants to challenge us as he did when the Macedonians were saying, no matter how difficult it is, I find that this joy is overwhelming. See, this joy supersedes my pain, my difficulty, my distress of being poor. This, this joy oversees and overcomes my pride and my arrogance because pride will say, I don't deserve to be poor. Pride says, I'm intelligent. Pride says, I'm educated. Pride says, I come from the family of so-and-so, and I can't let my mother and father down. See, that's where pride comes in. That's a hindrance. But these are an example. Macedonians are an example of saying, no matter how difficult it is, no matter what state of, poor, of poverty you're in or feeling poor, whether it's financial or spiritual, we've received an amazing, generous gift by God and from God. And salvation and the promise of Christ spurs us on to give no matter the situation. And that's why it's important for us to understand that generosity doesn't always come from what we have in excess. It's often come with what we don't have. And it's not to say if you have something to give, please give unto the Lord. That's not the, the case here. The case is that God wants to challenge us to be more generous. And that's a challenge because I think of the widow's might. And I think about what often happens and the challenges that are working here. Jesus looked up and saw this widow, you know, this widow who was around there. Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts in the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put in the two small copper coins. And he said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they had all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. That's what she did. She was willing to give what she had, that 15 minutes, that $5, that $10. I don't know what those two coins would amount to today, but it doesn't matter about the amount. It's the attitude that she was willing to sacrifice with all she had. And the question is, are we willing to do that? What are we willing to do? Now, you might be saying, Bruno, I do give. I give faithfully to God. I, I believe you. And that's great. But guess what? God's challenging me right now in my own life to excel in my giving. It's a scary place at times. But you know what? I can't challenge you if he doesn't challenge me first. Remember my principle. I can't ask of you to do something that I can't. God's not asking me to do. And so I'm going to share that a little bit as we move along. But here's the thing. The key component is a sowing principle. We want to have a sowing principle. What is that sowing? What is your purpose for sowing? You know, in 2 Corinthians 9... Six, it says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. But whoever sows bountifully, or in another case, generously, in another version, will also reap generously. Now, many would see that and say, okay, what is God expecting me of now? Well, it's really simple like this. When a person, 
is in agricultural terms, even if you're doing your lawn, you know, like my lawn is the most awful lawn you ever see in your world. You know, you can see the backyard looks good because it's all crabgrass, but the front yard is terrible crabgrass. I mean, it's awful crabgrass. I wish it was green crabgrass. I just wish it would just fill up because it's just awful. And I don't care because I have other things on my mind than some grass. I don't care from the city. I don't care about grass. But the thing is, is for me, I look at it and I say, wow, what's it going to take? What's going to take breaking up the ground? Then it's taken another step. I was talking to a friend this week. He was telling me he's overseeding. He was overseeding. Why? Because he wanted it to grab the soil. And then when he would grab the soil, whatever missed, the extra seed would catch the soil. And then in the time of harvest, when the grass is nice and green and comfortable and you can jump on it and roll it around like a dog and just feel really good, the, green is gr the grass is green, it's beautiful, and there's a harvest of beautiful grass, just like a harvest that you would have for a crop. And you're sowing generously, expecting a harvest. And you should because you're giving. But what about when we sow sparingly, but we still expect that green grass? We still expect the carpet. We still expect the crops. We expect this blessing, the immediacy. You ever notice that we just pray quick little prayers and we just say, okay, Lord, I did that. I did my duty. Okay, Lord, I put a little bit into the pot. Okay, Lord, I'm good. Now, bless me, Lord. Bless me. Give me some financial blessing. Or, Lord, don't let me go through problems and struggles and difficulties and trials. See, the Macedonians weren't thinking this way. Their sowing became a contagious fire in their hearts because they sowed of what they had. And, they, and to God, it was generously. And it was a sowing of a seed that just spread out. And see, that's what happens with a lot of us. We have to understand that the sowing of a seed is not that we're looking for because it's, it's simple math when you sow a lot of seed and then get a good harvest. It's confusing math when you sow sparingly and you get this, you know, this beautiful harvest. It's, it's confusing math. You can't, you can't have it. It doesn't match. It's confusing. If I sow sparingly, I can't expect an abundance. God's challenged each one of us to do that. We can't expect much from God if we're not giving in is the principle. See, it's when we do that, when we sow sparingly and we expect a lot from God, that's our selfishness. Our, meaning me, our selfishness. And God's been challenging me. That's confusing math. But God calls us to stewardship. When we give and we spread that sowing of the seed, that seed, God is telling us to do that out of stewardship so we can bring honor and glory to him. That's the beauty of it. And that's why we have to understand God's called us to that. So the third thing is, what does it mean to be generous? People who are generous make it a routine. It's a commitment. 2 Corinthians 8.4, it says, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. Meaning, Paul's saying the Macedonians were begging us to give more, to give us more opportunity. I mean, even in another version, in NLT, it says this, they begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem, meaning they saw it this way. I'm, I'm going to share it with you in this kind of way, and I'll, I'll, I'll pass off one of these scriptures here. It says the three Ps, privilege, partnership, and purpose. That's what it's meaning in verse 4. It means simply this, that the word grace, favor, is grace. It's a privilege. It's known to be used the word, as I mentioned earlier, privilege to give unto the Lord. And to take part, which means partnership. You and I are partnering with God when we give to do the kingdom of work for his purpose, for his glory. See, the sowing of the seed wasn't for us. 
It's not only for us. You might say, well, Bruno, isn't it important for me to be a good steward? Absolutely. You want to sow seed for your family, but it's not to fill your storehouses. Because if you have some extra, save a little, but give out to those who are in need. I have to be challenged. I don't think that way. This has rocked my world this week because I have not been thinking like this. I've been thinking, okay, Lord, I give, I can save, and then we'll be blessed. But I wasn't thinking about being generous and reaching out to others. I don't know about you, but I'm going to be upfront and honest. It's a challenge for me because I've been brought up with the mindset, keep, hoard, be stingy, keep it, keep it, keep it, keep it. Don't give it away. And I've had to fight and battle with God for years over this. And I thought I graduated, and here I'm still a student, sitting in the front seat and saying, okay, Lord, I'm going to take some more notes. What do I got to learn now? But see, God, he continues to see when we give, we're not giving to a pastor. Have mercy. We're not giving to someone on staff or the people in this church. We're not giving to the history of the church. We're not giving to the fellowship. We're giving because God gave. Simple. We're giving because God gave. It's a routine, and that's what they were doing. They were begging. When was the last time you were begging God to give more? I'm not, I'm not begging. I'm doing the opposite. I'm going to be up front with you. But the, see, and that's why it's important for us to understand that the last thing is people who are generous live on the first principle. It's a priority. Look with me to 2 Corinthians 8, 5. It says, in this, not as we expected. Meaning Paul's like, we didn't expect you guys to beg. We didn't expect you guys to get all excited. We just thought maybe you would be considering it but not being excited. But not as expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord. See, the reason why they were begging, the reason why they were seeing it as a privilege and a partnership and a purpose is because they gave to the Lord themselves first. See, they noticed that God gave them something, and they returned it by saying, here, Lord, you have my life. Here it is. See, first isn't about a timing. It's a priority. It's a priority. And each one of us, I encourage my children to give all the time. My son, son, you got to start giving. My daughter, daughter, you got to start giving. And slowly they're starting to learn that it's giving because it's not about how much. It's about the commitment to give because God gave. Even Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, and God will give you, when you give, he'll still bless you. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. That's, I can tell you, my wife and I have experienced that. We have experienced that. I stand before you as a man who has seen the blessing of God over and over and over. And I have no dollar sign near to my name that makes sense to anybody. Every time I see my bills go like this and how much I make, God keeps doing this. Keeps bringing my bills to what I make. Keeps taking care of us. Because he honors the people who give. It's a heart issue. And it's important for us to gather that. Because many come to me and say, and have in the years said, if I don't have enough money, should I still give? Should I just count on the rich people in the church to give? <laughs> Maybe they'll give more and then they make up for me because I have no money. Should I structure my giving whenever, whatever? How do I give? Should I just give a fifth of the tenth? Give half because I need another 5% for my me spending. I mean, we don't know. I says, listen, don't, don't put a number on it. Pray about it. Ask God to tell you what he wants you to give. But I ask this question again. What does it mean to excel in generosity? 
Well, look with me, 2 Corinthians 8, 3. I didn't forget about that verse. Because this is what Paul said about the Macedonians. He said, for they gave according to their means, as I testify, and beyond their means, and of their own accord. So we learn from that. We learn from that. And even as we understood, Paul said, accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started so that he should complete among you this act of grace, this generosity. Because as you excel in everything and in faith and in speech and in knowledge and in all earnestness and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. This act of grace is generosity. That's what God's calling. So what is he saying? What he's saying to each one of us? Start by doing this. Give according to your means. It's proportionate. You know, we look at this in Acts 6.38. Jesus says, give it and it will be given unto you. God, or good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure of you, use it. It will be measured back to you. That's, that's grace. But here's what they did. They would have corn. They put it in one container, shake it up. And then they put it in another container, shook it up because they wanted to get it compressed as much as possible. Pressed it down so they can add some more. And that was what it was in that container, trying to give as much as you can up to the brim. And all of a sudden, you have all this giving. And when you give it, it'll be returned back to you. It's proportional. God will bless it. God will bless it. But then I believe it's, and I believe that this happens as a learning curve. It's a learning movement. It's, it's, a, it's a movement where God teaches us how to give. So we give according to our means. We see how much we give or how much we make and then we give accordingly. But then God's saying, give beyond your means. He told this to the Macedonians. They gave beyond their means. It wasn't much. It wasn't much. But they had this routine. And they knew that when they gave and they exceeded their sacrificial giving, God would meet their needs. I and mean, we know this verse. And by God, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Why? Because God is faithful. Because God gave. God is generous. God is a cheerful giver. He loves to give. And if he loves to give, we have to learn to give. And so it's important for us to fathom that. Now, this past year, 2019, has been another challenging year about giving. Um, at the beginning of the year, when we were transitioning out of our old, our p- previous position, I went to the, to the elders and said, okay, it's time for me to leave because we were mer- helping this church merge with another church. So there was no point in me hanging around. So when we were talking, with that comes no salary because it was an interim position. But lo and behold, God was merciful to us and gave us a little bit more time. So by February 10th, I'm out. And my wife comes to me and says, hey, by the way, just to let you know, my schedule has gone down, and I don't see how it's going to open up. Okay, how do you know that? She goes, I can tell the pattern. I said, but how do you know that? She goes, I just don't know. I mean, I just see that it's not here, and I don't know if it's, when it's going to come back. Okay, so, so, Joya, what you're telling me is that in about two months, we're not going to have a salary, you or I. Correct. Okay. So I went to the Lord, and I said, now, Lord, you heard my wife, and this is our situation. Should I be giving less now? Because, Lord, I don't, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to have any money. And the Lord said, the Holy Spirit said to me, no, you are to give more. I said, okay, Lord, give more? Like, how do I do that? And he said, just give more. And I've done this before. I've seen this before. But I was still concerned. And I said, okay, Lord, uh, Joy, the Holy Spirit told us we got to give more now. Okay? Joy just always says, okay. And um, I sat there and I said, okay, Lord, don't know what's next. 
send out my giving. He said, give more. I said, okay. I'm, I'm telling you right now, I'm sitting there, I'm like, I was ready to write in. I was like shaking. Okay, Lord, give. All of a sudden, in two weeks, Joya starts getting work. And now I'm in the middle of this because Dennis and I and the elders are talking, but we're not sure when I'm coming down, if I am coming down, if I got the job or I don't have the job, and if I do get the job, when am I starting? It could be till summer. Okay, <laughs> I don't know. Give. We gave. And lo and behold, Dennis calls me out saying, the elders said they, they wouldn't mind if you wanted to start it sooner or not. I'm like, okay. Um, that sounds great. I didn't tell him the story, but I said, okay, Lord, um, I'm ready to give tomorrow, Lord. You want me to give some more? Keep blessing us, Lord. I want to give some more. But see, behold, what was happening was God was challenging us to give. And it was sacrificial, and each one of us go through that. But we were just trying to give. And then this, now we're in a situation where my wife got a job. And I'm not sharing this for you guys. It's no victim role. There's nothing. God's victor we're victorious in Christ. But just to share with you, I thought I graduated. And God said, no, you haven't. Joy got a job. She's had one client in six weeks. I'm, okay, Lord, here we go again. All right, so I said, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm scared, but I'm going to trust you, Lord. And I, Satan's starting to attack me. And then I said, you know what, Lord, I'm going to trust you. On my birthday, we went. We had to get glasses. It cost a lot of money. Joy said, how are we going to pay? I don't know. Just put the credit card down. I don't know. God's got this. God's got this. Went to the mailbox on my birthday, opened the mailbox to get the bills and saying, oh, boy, here we go. Because I keep all the money, so I'm always looking at it. See this envelope? Squishy. Looked like a bank envelope. I said, oh, dad, this could be money here. Opened it up, all I see is hundreds. I'm like, interesting. And I pull it out, Jesus on one of them. And I just pull it out and I said, wow. And I said, here you go, Julia. God's giving again. And um, we praise God for that because he meets our need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. These are not my bills. These are his this is not my own. This is not my money. These are his. And he keeps teaching me that. I haven't graduated yet, but I'm praising God that he at least keeps teaching me that he's merciful to me, that he even allows me to be a student right now. Because I'm telling you, I'm learning that we have to give, and we have to give beyond our means, and we have to, and God has challenges us to give freely and spontaneously like the Macedonians. You know, even it says that Proverbs 11, 24, and 25, one gives freely yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and the other suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, which the Hebrew word means fat. And the one who waters will himself be watered. Meaning it wasn't about bringing forth the storehouse and putting all your stuff away. It was about giving so that you can give more out. Giving so that you can give more. See, generosity isn't about storing up our, our, our barn houses. Generosity is about how can I give more on a routine basis, looking for opportunities to give, 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 so I can be a blessing to someone else. It's not about me, but I'm still learning this. And I'm telling you, God's challenging us because I'm learning this is a lifestyle. It's about giving for a lifestyle. Winston Churchill said this, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. And we have to learn to excel in our giving, to go beyond. If you're doing well, that's great. If you're giving well, that's great. I, I praise God for that, but God may challenge you as he's challenged me. I need to excel in my giving. You know, John Bunyan, years and years ago, said this, you have not lived today until you have done something for someone who can never repay you.
That's God. We can't repay what he's done for us. See, that's why it's understood that when we give, we give with the understanding that God gave. And he continues to give. He continues to give. It's not even about the money. It's not about an amount. It's about an attitude. I have to learn. I'm putting myself up here. I have to learn to be sacrificial. I hope that it challenges you. This isn't a feel-good kind of message. It's a challenging message. But we have to ask, what's the heart of it? The heart of it is giving because God gave. So as the worship team is coming up, I want to encourage you today. Maybe you haven't seen it this way. Maybe you have. And maybe God wants to say, okay, I want to take you, son or daughter, to the next level. It could, it doesn't, don't think about the amount. Just think about going to the Lord and saying, God, you've given us a message today. What do you, if you're a husband and a wife, you're single, whatever, whatever you give is given unto God. It's not given unto man. And so I want to challenge you. You may say, okay, maybe it's just... 1%. Okay, maybe it's 3%. Maybe it's 5%. Whatever it is, don't even think about it of a percentage. Just go to the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want me to give? It's unto God because he gave. There's nothing I can give you that will make you want to give. I'll fail you. But God will never fail you. You and I know that. He's always challenged us to give. And so I want just to just to bow your heads and to close your eyes for just a moment. Would you just, would you consider this, this one thing, would you consider asking God this one thing, Lord, what do you want me to give? That's all I'm asking you to ask God, and he'll take it from there. Remember, it's a privilege. Remember, you're partnering with him. Remember, it's for his purpose. Father, today, I just pray that you would teach your people Each one of us, I'm included in that. I'm sitting right now in the seat saying, God, please help us to learn how to give. We love you. We surrender our lives to you. Challenge us to excel in our giving because you gave us your son. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.